0: Hello and thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Minister John Richard and this podcast is an account of this week's Bible study. I pray that it blesses and strengthens you in Jesus name. If you are looking for more of the word or are searching for the notes that were used in this week's lesson, please feel free to check the links in the description. Enjoy the Bible study and be blessed. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. And Merry Christmas to you and your families. Guys, we made it. This year, this day, this wonderful holiday that we commemorate, we are celebrating the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the final Bible study of 2020. So first off, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise because this is amazing. Secondly, after six straight months of continuously giving you guys a word that the Lord is impregnated in my spirit, we've made it. God is good. I'm speechless just thinking about it. So let's start off with why we celebrate with Christmas. Our definition for the day is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, It's going to be in the scripture we're going to hop into, but God is with us. That just means so much for me on so many personal levels, but for us as a whole, in the midst of a pandemic that has the world shut down, upside down, flipped over in situations where we've never been in as as a race of people, but God is still with us through people losing their jobs, losing loved ones, people displaced, not knowing what to do, but God is still with us. Through it all, God is still with us. So our lesson for the day and the final one for this year is the reason for the season. Now we celebrate Christmas and we exchange gifts. We put up lights, Christmas trees. It's a worldwide tradition But Santa, jingle bells, while all of that is fun, that's not why we celebrate Christmas. The reason why we celebrate Christmas is because one fateful day when humanity sold itself out, the good Lord made a promise to all of us in the Garden of Eden promising that we would have a way to come back unto him, that we would have a savior, that we would have a promise, a provision, a prevision, and that we would have everything that we would need. And on that fateful Christmas day, or at least the day that we commemorated and remember to celebrate it, the Lord in human form came down. And on that day when he was born, Oh, glory be to God. I'm not going to jump ahead of myself, but let's hop into the word. We're going to start off in Genesis chapter 3 verses 13 through 15 and Second Samuel chapter 7 verses 11 through 16. The Bible says, then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now into Second Samuel chapter 7. It says, Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people, Israel, and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. Also, the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with the rod like any father would do. But my favor will not be taken from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from your sight. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time and your throne will be secure forever. First, let's start off with Genesis. Like I said before we hopped into the word, the Lord sent the promise, the provision, the prevision, and everything else that we would ever need once the appointed time came. We sold ourselves out in the Garden of Eden, but as soon as we messed up, God promised that he would fix it. Not only did God promise that he would fix it, but he promised that he would right the wrongs. The Bible says in chapter, well, in verse 15, that the Lord would put enmity between the seed of the woman and that, that enmity would cause the, the seed of the woman to bruise the serpent's head and the serpent would bruise the heel. Now, a long time ago, And it's not that long because again, I'm, (laughs) I'm 24, but a while ago I was at church and I gave, uh, I gave a talk. And one of the things that the Lord had had me say was that if my heel gets bruised, I can still wobble. I can hobble. I can still make it to the finish line. It may not be as fast as I want it to be, but I can still make it. But see, if I got a head injury, if my brain got messed up, if something went wrong up here, then I couldn't do anything. I'd be incapable of surviving. I'd be incapable of making it through. So what God is telling us is that not only would we have our our way made for us, not only would we have the provision supplied so that we could pick it up, use it, and do everything that God has placed inside of us when he predestined us, when he pre-laid down the foundations of the world. Before everything has already come to pass, God has already laid it out. And now that we're walking in the promise today, because the promise already came in his life, is the light unto this world, making it possible for things like this Bible study, for the multitude of churches that are using Facebook, other social media and streaming platforms to continually supply the family and the multitude with the good nourished word of God. It's because of Jesus's sacrifice that we're here. Then we get down in the second Samuel. And of course, the Lord is telling uh, the prophet Samuel, what he's going to do through David, because the children of Israel wanted King Saul, and Saul was a horrid king. He he was not good at all. It seemed right at first, but so do most things when we like to choose it. But as we learned in a previous lesson, though a way may seem right unto a man, it leads to the ways of death, not just death, but the ways of death. Israel wanted a king because they wanted to be like everyone else, and it ended up getting them put in a position to where their king that they wanted so badly ended up hurting them more than all the good that he may have done. But see, God has always wanted to be his people's king and that's how it's going to end up. But we're going to get there. But see, the other half of this story is even though the Lord was telling Samuel about David and about how even if he messed up that he wouldn't remove his favor. So that means for you and for me today, even when we mess up, God won't remove his favor because of the seal that he stamped on our hearts. The other side of this story is telling us about the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father, the Wise Counselor, we're talking about Jesus, people. The reason why we have a right to life. The reason why we have a true home to go to one day. The reason why we celebrate this season. The reason why we celebrate the season, which is the season of life. And we wouldn't have life at all if Jesus had never come and laid down his life on Calvary. But because he did, that everlasting house, that strong and mighty kingdom, the temple that would be built. The temple that the Lord was alluding to in this scripture was a true temple, but the deeper behind it was the temple that resides in you and me because our body is the temple and the Lord wants to take root and live inside of you. We've talked about abiding so much within the past six months leading into this new year. And what God is telling you today on this day that we commemorate his life, his sacrifice, and everything he's given us is that he wants to live inside of you. He wants to take root and grow you so that you can be everything he has intended for you to be. Oh, God is good. Moving on to Isaiah chapter 9 verses 2 through 7 and Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. The Bible says the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who, ha- who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. Let me stop right here very briefly. A light will shine and then you will Remember last week when we talked about the Lord in John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word had existed in the beginning. Everything that God created, he created through him. We get that tense change again. A bright light shined in the darkness because we were all trapped in the dark. And when that light shined, the light started doing things. He started making things happen. Let me continue. They will rejoice before you as a people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms, blood stained by war, will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor, David, for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. And in chapter seven, verse 14 says, all right, then the Lord himself will give you this, will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, let's go back real quick to that tense change we were talking about. The light shone and that deep darkness, and then he will. Well, last week when we talked about I am because he is, we talked about how God created everything by saying, let there be. When God says, let there be, it has to happen. It has no choice but to occur because the almighty himself is declaring and decreeing a thing by the power of his goodwill. When God says, let there be, or when God starts to do a thing, my brothers and sisters understand that there is no force in existence that can stop God because everything that exists is in the palm of God's hand. So if all that there is that's out there is within his hand, then how can it encompass the entirety of who God really is? Not to mention we get down and it talks about how that he will break the oppressor's rod just as he did when he destroyed the army of Midian. Well, in the same way Jesus told the the naysayers in the crowd, before Abraham even was, I am. God was already working because Jesus is God. There is no separation between the Godhead. In the same way that I i am a brother. I'm a son. I'm a grandson. I'm a friend. I'm a nephew. I'm all these different things, but I'm still Jr. In the same way, God is the father. He is the son named Jesus, who is the risen King and our Lord and Savior. He is the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher and our comforter. He is a friend late in the midnight hour. He is wisdom crying out in the street, looking for anyone who will listen to him. He is the still quietness in the wind whispering, trying to get your attention. He's that friend that's been at work trying to get you through whatever you're going through. He's that random stranger who did that act of kindness that changed your life like never before. God is all these wonderful things, but he is still God. There is no separation from him. He was a pillar of smoke leading the children of Israel. He was a burning bush talking to Moses. He was everything. He may change his form, but he is still God. And that's the same principle that we live our lives by. I may be a son to my mother and my father, but I'm still Jr. I may be a friend to my, my friends out there, but I'm still Jr. I may be a mentor to someone who looks up to me and seeks guidance, but I'm still Jr. The same thing that we relate to is with God. Brothers and sisters, it's not that hard. So God himself is showing us that, look, there is no separation between me. All I've done is do what I've kept doing. I've been God just in a way that you can perceive me. I've made myself more relatable to you so that you have an easier time building rapport and relationship with me. God is still God. And the name that unifies all of his characteristics and his quality is Jesus. The name above every name that at that name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and tongue shall confess both in the earth above it and below it and in all creation that Jesus Christ is Lord because that's his name. That's the name he appointed for himself. He is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So whatever pit, storm, despair, depression, anger, angst, anxiety, whatever it is you may be dealing with, understand that God is with you right now. In the midst of it all, he is keeping you. John chapter 1 verses 1 through 5 and verse 14 and John chapter 10 uh, verses 7 through 10. And the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone there's our tense change. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. And like we learned last week, not only can it extinguish it, it can't reciprocate it. It can't appropriate it. It can't do anything with the light because the light is incomparable and and it cannot be fabricated. We even had a lesson about fabricated late, but no matter what Satan tries to do, he cannot do anything to touch God's kingdom. Moving forward, the light, uh, yeah, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. And moving on to verse, verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. There's that tense change again. The glory is of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. Then moving into John chapter 10, verse seven. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they may have it more abundantly. The Lord's sole purpose for allowing all of these things to transpire is to show you how desperately you need him. Guys, family, beloved, listen, for the past six months, I've shared various stories in my life to not only push the point home of how important a relationship with Jesus is and how real God is, because yes, he's real. There is only one God and his name is Jesus. I understand that we are entitled to believe whatever we want to, and that's your choice. I'm not going to get on you for it. I will share the word. And if you don't want to hear it, that's fine. That's on you. But listen, a wise preacher once said, uh, I think back in the seventies, somebody has to be right about all of this. So either God is real, my God and his name is Jesus or yours is. But just like the Bible says, if Jesus isn't real, then we, the Christians, we are the most messed up, bewildered, beguiled and naive people there are because we believe without a shadow of a doubt, that God came down in the form of a man, just as the Bible said, to die for yours and my sins. Family, listen. Again, Christmas isn't about Santa Claus. It's not about giving gifts. It's not about the Christmas tree, the lights, or the music. It's about the gift of life that God decided to give us because we needed it. And because we needed it so badly, family, I can't even describe it in words, but God loves us so much that while we were yet still his enemies, he not only saved us, but he made provision for the saving. Oh, Lord. Not to mention, as I read this and then we'll move on to the next scripture, Jesus said, I am come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So not only did the the form change of God from spirit to, to man. Not only did that form change come to give us life, but that life that he was giving us was so that we could have an overflow of life. It's one thing to be alive. It's one thing to be living. It's another thing to be actively doing something with that life. I'm alive today, but if I stay home all day, every day, and do nothing productive whatsoever. I'm just here. I'm existing. But if I'm proactive, and I'm doing what the word says, and I'm helping someone else, because I'm not just thinking about me, but I'm thinking about another person. And not only that, but I'm placing them above me, because I know where I stand with God, then my life is proactive. And the purpose that I'm fulfilling and walking out is the purpose that God has implanted inside of me. And how do you find that? We've talked about it and I'll say it briefly. You study the word, you read it, you pray without ceasing, you make it practical, you share with one another, you strive to do your very best by the power that Almighty God has given you, and you put your best foot forward. That 1% effort, I know it seems like we gave it all, but that 1% effort causes God to do the 99% and do everything else for you, which is to work through you, which is to teach you, to train you, to strengthen you, to gird you up, and to put his words in your mouth, to put his actions in your heart, to put his life around your old deadness. Because if you were in this world, you were dead, just like I was. But because of Christ Jesus, you are now alive. Matthew chapter 27, verses 45 through 46 in John chapter 19, verses 26 through 30. The Bible says, at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Or as the King James says, why hast thou forsaken me? Moving uh, to John chapter 10, The Bible says, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all the things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a hyssop and put it in his mouth. So now Jesus had received the sour wine. So when he received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit or gave up the ghost as the King James says. Brothers and sisters, when Jesus was up on that cross, he was in the midst of the most agonizing and painful thing that could ever happen to any singular human being. And nothing as great and terrible as that will ever happen to anyone else because it's not meant to be. But what I'm telling you what this is, is that in the midst of Jesus's peril, in the midst of the pain, the suffering that he was going through for you and for me, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? but if you've ever seen a movie called the shack, um, when the guy in the movie, and I can't think of his name right now, but if it comes back up, the Lord I'm trusting will bring it back to my memory. He asked the, the role of God, the father, while they were in the cabin, you know, where were you when I was going through all these things? Where were you when I needed you the most? And the, the father rolled up the sleeves and showed the nailed scarred wounds in the hand and said, I'm there through it all. When Jesus was up on that cross, he wasn't alone. His father was with him. So to you right now, who's dealing with depression, to you right now, who's angry and don't know why, to you who's sad, to you who's anxious, to you who's depressed, to you who's, who don't know what to do, to you who is lost and just needs a sign, understand that God is with you in the midst of whatever you're going through. When Jesus cried out, why have you forsaken me or why have you abandoned me? That was for the mortality that he was dealing with. But the Godhead in him, because he is the fullness of God, knew that he was never alone. So my brothers and my sisters, listen to me and listen to me well. When you are dealing with something, when you are in the midst of something, understand, brothers and sisters, that whatever you're dealing with, it's not the end of the world because God is right there with you. His word He himself said that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I will never abandon you as an orphan, but that I will be with you always, forever and ever, world without end, until the end of the age. I will be by your side every single step of the way and sometimes where it may seem like I'm quiet, understand I'm still there. You sit in the room with loved ones and you may not talk for an extended period of time, but you know they're there. In the same manner, understand that if God's not talking, that doesn't mean he's left, he's still there. He's just chilling in your presence because you're doing it in his presence. He may be waiting to see how you're going to handle the situation because of everything he's placed inside of you to use, or it may be a test. And as I know, because I've taken a lot of tests in life, the proctor can't help you with the questions. All they can do is read them back to you. That's it. But God has never left your side. He is still right there, patiently walking you through it, giving you all the strength, the joy, the peace, the love, the whatever you need. He is there. He is your present help in a time of need that when the enemy tries to come against you like a flood, the Lord raises a standard against him. So even in the midst of all that Jesus was going through, there was a standard and that standard was God's love, the promise that he was going to come back into his father's presence. Not to mention and we'll move on to the next scripture is that when Jesus looked out when Jesus is looking into your life and it's time for something to be submitted he says that look there it is there's your promise look there it is that's what you need to be doing look there they are. Those are the people that I need you to be connected with. And when God knows it's all said and done, that part of your life is finished. So the anger, the depression, the suicidal thoughts, whatever it is that you're dealing with, the the lust, the alcoholism, the drug abuse, whatever it may be, it is finished. Today, if you will let God be God in your life, there are certain things that you don't have to deal with. And as someone who used to be extremely depressed, angry at all times, full of lustful thoughts while I would watch and consume porn a unholy amount of times throughout the day, understand that those parts in your life can come to an end. And all you have to do is accept this message of who Jesus is. Let him love you because he gave his life out of love. Love him back. Make the word practical. And then watch as those different chapters in your life get the it is finished stamp of approval because you've walked out the pit, you've walked out the storm, and now you're on the other side just that much better. To God be all the glory. Matthew chapter 28 verses 1 through 8. The Bible says in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher or the grave. If you're not familiar with King James vernacular and behold, there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men, or they fell faint. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. Not he rose, not he had to get up again, but he is risen. That is symbolizes Jesus's eternal life. His mortal body, may have died, but unlike you and me, he never had a dead spirit because he always was alive because he is life itself. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulchre or the grave with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples word. My brothers and sisters, there are plenty of times where our blessings, our triumph, our victory, whatever God is giving us sometimes scares us because of the change, because of the doubt that we have as just being people and humans. And you know what? It's okay. I've told you countless times God isn't looking for perfect people, but he's looking for people who are striving for his perfection. Let that one sit in. God died for a group of, of struggling addicts and our addiction is sin. And when we get saved, we go through our AA process, which is called sanctification. And as God sanctifies us, he is slowly teaching us steps and measures to not fall back into sin, to not fall back into to different traps and trappings, how to see what triggers are and how to avoid them, how that if we get into certain situations, we can walk out unscathed. And even if we do slip up and regress a little bit, he's not going to kick us out just because we lost a little bit of sobriety. Because brothers and sisters, unlike anything else, with sin, you can be sober in a lot of areas and still be drunk in some. But because of God and his precious Holy Spirit, the fire that comes from his healing majesty can overpower any sin, drunken stupor and make you sober and well again. Brothers and sisters, I'm pleading with you that if you don't know who Jesus is, that this word would not only allude to you, just the kind of God he is, but the kind of friend that he wants to be in your life, the kind of father, the kind of mentor, the kind of hope, of strength, of peace, of joy, of salvation, of whatever you need or could want. Because not only does God have the answers, but he himself is the answer. Moving into Romans chapter 5 verses 6 through 11 and Titus chapter 3 verses 3 through 7. The Bible says when we were utterly hopeless or utterly helpless, I'm sorry, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Once we too were foolish and disobedient. This is Titus chapter three. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. There's that word. We became slaves to the things that we enjoyed and loved so much. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon uh, upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit an eternal life. Brothers and sisters, not only were we messed up, not only were we horrid, not only were we God's mortal enemies, because as the Bible says, if you're not for God, you're against him. He loved us so much that he gave us a gift. Now, the thing about gifts is that typically when you're given a gift, it's not taken away because it's a gift. It's for you. No matter what you do, it belongs to you because it was given out of love. But see, if you earn something, like a job or a promotion or or whatever it is that you can earn in this life of metal. Those things can be stripped away from you because you had to put in the effort to gain it. So if you don't keep up that particular level of skill or degree or whatever it is that you use to attain it, then you lose it. But see, I'm so grateful that God gave us eternal life through his darling son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, my personal Lord and Savior. Because of that, no matter how bad I may get, no matter if I have a day where I've been walking with God for 30, 40 plus years, and I look like a rank center on a particular day, I'm not going to lose my spot in heaven just because I allowed my mortality to make me look like a plump fool. No, but because God is such a good father, a good friend, a good counselor, a good God, because of who he is, no matter how bad I may get, He looks at me, He brushes me off and says, baby, now I know you can do better than that because I'm the one that formed you in your mother's womb. I'm the one that knew the plan I had for you before you were even a thought. I knew you before I laid the foundations of the world. I knew what you would be going through. And I also knew that you would love me and accept me because of the word that broke you down and made you realize that you were wrong. But baby, I'm not here to Lord those, your past, your sins are nothing over you. As God has made me say, and I'll say it again today, and let this ring out with you in your heart, your mind, and your soul for the rest of this year and all of 2021 and onward. The enemy knows your name, but calls you by your sins, but God knows your sins and calls you by your name. God isn't interested in holding the past against you like Satan or this world is. God is interested in taking your past, throwing it away and giving you a new beginning inside of him, which is free from all the trappings that life is trying to use to bring you down with it. No, instead, God wants to put that but God clause in your life so that whatever the enemy may try to bring up in court, Jesus only has to say, but me. But my father, but God, it doesn't matter what you did, because if you belong to Christ Jesus, there is a double jeopardy cause. And everything that the enemy would like to hold against you has already been paid for in the courtroom on that fateful day when Jesus hung on Calvary. And when he rose from the grave on that third day with the power of life and death and everything else into subjugation unto him, giving it back unto the father so that we could have our rights restored unto us. When Jesus did that, the case was closed and he walked away with a roaring victory and all the angels in heaven shouted because now the human race could truly come home unto God. Because of that, my brothers and sisters, again, if you don't know him, I'm begging you to try him out. You don't have nothing to lose. The Bible has a free app. You can go to any church live stream and God willing, when the pandemic is over, hop into any church when you hear about the man from Galilee, when you hear about the root and the whew, the progenitor of Jesse, the root and progenitor of David, when you hear about him and his name being Jesus, let him walk into your life. Wrapping up in Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through 9, the Bible says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared." and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. Excuse me. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are virtuous will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God and they will be my children. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, the murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshippers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur or fire and brimstone, as the King James Version says. This is the second death. Then one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues came and said to me, come with me and I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Brothers and sisters, we end here in Revelation chapter 29 I'm sorry, chapter 21, verses one through nine. We ended verse nine to show you that from Genesis to Revelation, it all points back to Jesus. And the sole desire of God is that every single one of us who was born, who's here today and who will come later, that we would all get saved and sharing his eternal love with him because he loves us that much but it's not going to work that way because life is so disgusting and full of things that seem interesting that drag people away. But brothers and sisters, as someone who's escaped a lot of it and is still learning to escape from things, it may look and feel good for that moment, but ask yourself this, don't you always feel gross, grotesque, or out of place the next day? Or maybe as soon as you're done doing whatever you did, You can lie to yourself all day long, but you can't lie to God. So as someone who truly loves the Lord and loves all of you, I want to open up the doors of the kingdom of heaven today. As we wrap up this year, moving into 2021, I'm excited to see what God does. And if you've been listening to these messages, if you've been a part of the Zoom Bible studies, if you've heard the podcast that you're watching on YouTube, I encourage you today that if you don't know Jesus for yourself to get to know him, let him be the Lord of your life so that you can be free from the the wages of sin, which is death. It doesn't matter what you do in this life. You can be saved as long as you don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. So if you're out there, if you've murdered someone, you can be saved. If you've been suicidal, you can be saved. If you're homosexual, you can be saved. If you're a child molester, you can be saved. I'm going to name, I've named things that the, the church likes to frown upon as if we didn't mess up ourselves. All sin, not some sin, but all sin is equal to death. But Jesus died once for everybody, not just the straight people not just those who don't murder, but he died for the fornicator, for the adulterer, the murderer, the thief, the liar. Yeah, you can go to hell for lying if you never repent for the, those who practice homosexuality. But what God has softened my heart to understand that all sin is a burden and that all sin is just something that we suffer with. They're all the same thing, but whatever my issue may be, may be different from yours. But that doesn't mean that the sin is any different. It all stinks before God. But because he loves you and me so much, he sent Jesus the promise that he made as soon as we messed up. And when Jesus got here, he had work to do. And when this work was done, he spread the Holy Spirit like wildfire so that those of us who God has called to spread the word, to teach, to teach, to teach, to preach to pray, to break down strongholds. We do it out of love. So out of love, I'm extending the right hand of fellowship to you today. And that if you would be willing and ready to accept it, then come on into the family. And if you're already here, then I encourage you to get closer because though I may get up here every Friday for you guys, because of God's power working through me, I still mess up and I'm still growing, but because God loves you so much. Hey, you can, you can get in it too. Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you, Lord, for the wonderful past six straight months of Bible study and word that you've given us. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless all those who at the sound of your voice through me, your microphone, to be encouraged, to keep pressing forward because you're with them always, God, because you've made a promise and you watch over faithfully, over your word to make sure it comes to pass. And that Lord God, if they don't know you, that they can be encouraged because eternal life is a real thing. And it's not here in this world, but it's with you, Father God, in your presence. Wherever you are, there is life, there is liberty, and there is the true pursuit of happiness. So Father, be with us always, God, as we depart from this Bible study, but never from your presence. Continually lead us from temptation, God. And as we walk into this new year with you, Heavenly Father, for those of us who are already walking with you and for those who are going to start, plead forth extra special blessings. Wrap your loving arms around us and let your blood which was shed for the remission of our sins wash us white as snow. It's these things we thank you for in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Merry Christmas, everybody. I love you so much, and I look forward to sharing in the, new year, in the new year with you. I love you all. God bless. Hey, family. I pray the lesson has blessed you in some way, shape, form, or fashion today. Each week, we hold Bible study on Zoom, and it would be wonderful to share this experience with you. If something was said that resonated with you, and you aren't a part of the family, I would like to open the invitation to join. I pray that the Lord blesses you in all of your endeavors and that you chase after the prize, which is Jesus. See you next week, God willing, and be blessed.